Welcome to Happy Hour, a weekly careers podcast where we talk about work life from the perspective of two real people. We're your hosts, Brittany Bowering and Penny Blackmore. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe as it helps others to find us. Um, so, Bridge, yeah. Today we are so excited to have our very first guest on the podcast. It's our first guest. Wee. Cheers to that. <laughs> um, I'm super excited as well. Our guest today is Chris Doe. Uh, Chris Doe is an Emmy Award winning director, designer, and strategist. He's <laughs> Emmy. Emmy. <laughs> Emmy. Uh, he's made music videos. This is one of my favorite things uh, is that Chris has actually made music videos for Coldplay, Narl Sparkly, and freaking Justin Timberlake Penny. Yes, but now he is the founder <laughs> and CEO of The Future, which is a really cool company that teaches creatives how to make money doing what they love, which is such a great mission. Um, they have over 600,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube, and Chris himself has almost 200,000 followers on Instagram, although he better watch out because Brittany's on his tail. <laughs> Big styles. I'm hot she's, on that trail. She's literally right slaving for the followers right now. It's insane. Um, so Chris is very, very famous for being um, kind of a direct, honest person and giving very thoughtful, valuable advice. And I would actually argue that he's probably one of the people giving the most thoughtful, valuable advice yeah, out there yeah, um, right now. So we're so excited um, that he's on our podcast today because we really like him and we also like what he stands for. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful intro. It's going to be downhill <laughs> from here. I should just... Oh. <laughs> We doubt that. We, we set the stakes that. high. We're yes, sorry. You did. You guys are super pros. Oh my god! <laughs> so um, we actually have a little icebreaker, Chris. Um, okay, to let's get break us some into ice. the into the interview because this is a work podcast, and we talk about what's very real and very uh, very honest. We would like to know what's the worst or most embarrassing thing you've ever done at work. And if you have to think about it and you need some inspiration, Brittany and I have a whole list. <laughs> We've got a whole list. Oh my gosh. You got to go straight for the juggler on the open. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it helps to like get everyone in the right mood. That's right. Yeah. The we worst, like to be most embarrassing thing I've ever done at work. Like okay. a like consummate professional. You got it. Okay, okay great. I got it. Oh my yeah. gosh. I was like, I don't know what to tell you, but then I just, it took me a second. <laughs> when I graduated from school, I was working at an ad agency. And I'm like barely 20-something years old here. And I'm among very senior, worldly, well-traveled people in the ad industry. And there's a going away party for one of the executive creative directors. His name was mm -hmm. Bob. And Bob invited everybody over to his beautiful lakeside house. And I was there. And everybody had shown up with, with like, a, like a potluck kind of thing. And I'm so new to this. Nobody even told me. So I already was feeling really out of place on top of the professional inexperience that I had. And then it came around like towards the end of dinner. Bob's like, everybody, let's make a toast. And some people are like, no, nah, let's not do that. And then they're all like, oh. And, some, and eventually what happens is everybody makes a toast. And I've never, I don't drink. I've never made a toast. And I've never been around people who make toast. I'm uh, like, like this <laughs> yeah. before. So it goes around the room and it comes to me and I'm just totally like deer in the headlights, blank. I'm like, I don't know what to say. People are breaking out things in Russian. They, they've got all these clever things that they're saying. Oh I said, God. Bob, I don't know what to say. Can I have a pass? And he's like, no. <laughs> oh, it's my party and you're going to have to make a toast. And I said, I, I don't know then to Bob. That's all I could say. And I just felt like a total idiot. 
that's probably one of the the worst couple of minutes of, of my life. And I was like, oh, it's coming. And you know, it's like, okay, in three people, it's going to be me, two people, one. And I don't know what to say. Oh my oh gosh, God. that is brutal. Bob, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, yes. That's really He's mean, no longer Bob. working in the industry right now. I'm just saying, but. <laughs> that's funny. Bob, no surname, bastard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Really good I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to know that. Like, I, I love especially talking to people who are um, very successful mm. is knowing that like everybody makes these like kind of silly, stupid mistakes in their careers and yeah. everybody blows past them. It's mm-hmm. all fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's great. I have to say through many years of self-discipline and kind of self-reflection, I've been able to block most of these things from entering my mind. Now, all of a sudden, all these failures are coming to my mind, embarrassing moments. So thanks a lot for that. <laughs> no problem. You're welcome. That's what we're here for. Yeah. That's what you learn from That's as great. well. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, great. So um, I think that the one thing that I was thinking about, so I talked to a lot of, you know, we both kind of summoned the, you know, the small following that we had and asked people about different things that they would want to ask you, which I guess is probably something that often happens. But one thing that someone brought up that I thought was such a good um, question is the fact that you are actually, or you are a self-proclaimed introvert. Would you say that that's correct? I'm not even self-proclaimed. I've been tested. (laughs) <laughs> so this is sort of verified information. You're verified introvert. I'm verified. Okay. <laughs> I had a professional come to my office who does the Myers-Briggs testing. And it took like 45 minutes of testing and a few minutes of review. And then she yeah. told me, you're an INTJ. And I already knew that. I already right. knew as an introvert because all my life growing up, I just wanted to be invisible. I'm awkward around people. I'm uncomfortable hearing my own voice and seeing myself. These are very awkward, horrible things. And if you were to imagine a geeky kind of nerd growing up in the 80s who was into comic books uh, and Dungeons and Dragons and video games and never exercised, that would be me. (laughs) To the T. So this is, I'm really glad that we're talking about this because I would love to know um, your experience as an introvert. Obviously, you've overcome a lot of that. And what would you say, what would you give people advice who are introverts who are maybe having trouble like at work communicating their ideas, kind of being Mm. a little bit, you know, actually kind of like sitting at the table and and voicing up. Speaking up, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So when when the person who's testing me said you're an introvert and do you know what that means? And I, I told her what I thought it meant, which was shy and awkward around people. And she said, no, Mm -hmm. the actual definition is when you're around people, do you get energy or do you lose energy? Mm -hmm. So when you're around a lot of people, most introverts go home and just they're exhausted. They, they, They need a day off just from the social event. Whereas extroverts in in a large group of people, they gain energy. They're like wired and they can't sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just want to set that stage correctly because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm afraid of public speaking. I must be an introvert. Actually, everybody's afraid of public speaking. That has nothing to do with it. Okay. Yeah. Now, in terms of just helping me to figure this thing out, I know that around people that I'm comfortable with, my cousins, my family, where if you're okay walking around in your boxer shorts and funny mismatched socks, you're really comfortable. In those circles, I'm actually 100% of who I am. I don't feel awkward or weird. I can just be a goofy kind of person and learning to allow, in my mind at least, other people to feel the same way, even though we don't have the same kind of relationship, allows me to be more of myself. So I try and imagine like, if we grew up together, what would we be talking about right now? Or would there be kind of this stiff formal nature where I'm trying to impress you, you're trying to impress me, and we never really show who we are beneath the mask. 
That's one mm-hmm. kind of psychological thing you want to think about. Like when you're comfortable around people, try to build that environment outside of a very small circle. But here's the kicker. Mm-hmm. My business coach who I'd worked with for over 10 years, Kier McLaren, he told me like he was, he came into my office because like, we met every single week. He would come into my office and say, you know, I noticed something about you. I'm like, what's that, Kier? He's like, when clients come by, you just hide in your office. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not really hiding. He's like, well, why are you in here? They're out there right now. I don't know what to say to them. I mean, how do you enter into the conversation? How do you get out of it? He goes, okay, so here's the problem. I need you to realize something. When you hide away like this, the relationship that's being built is between your staff, your creative directors, your executive producer, and the client. What happens when they leave? Mm. When your team leaves, where will the clients go? Because it's about the relationship. He says, there's another thing here. You underestimate the power you have as an owner. Okay? So you notice how like if you were at a restaurant and how the chef comes out from the back and he were to check in on you and say, how was your meal today? Did you, did you enjoy yourself? Is there anything I could do to improve the experience for you? How would that make you feel? Well, you would be through the moon. You would say like, wow, yeah. they cared that much that the head chef is coming over to talk to me? And I told him, I've never had that experience. But you can imagine it. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to go over there and I want you to say hi to the client. And I'm going to train the producers to introduce you and then to get you out of the room. I said, okay, I can do this. So the producers <laughs> would grab me. It's almost like they're holding my hand like, hey. It's almost uh, like you're the talent. The yeah, team. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, or a different tea, a troll, something. They have to bring me in. And so they bring me into the room. And they're like, hey guys, we just want to introduce you to Chris. He's the owner of the company. I wanted to say hi. I'm like, hi, how's everything going? I'd say my little bit and then it gets awkward. And then they're like, we got to pull Chris. He's got to look at something else. I'm like, oh, it's nice to meet you. I hope we're doing a great job for you. Let me know if you need anything. And we, they would pull me out. And this was a very carefully controlled way of exposing me to doing things I was uncomfortable with that allowed me to kind of grow into that position. A mm. couple of meetings later, they would bring me in. They're like, Chris, we got to bring you out to the other thing. I'm like, no, no, I got it. Like, and they, their eyebrow would raise like, okay. Yeah. So they would leave and I would sit there and chat it up with the clients for 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm glad we talked. Here's my phone number. You need to call me. Let's go and have sushi <laughs> together. And I would walk out. So I felt like I had graduated. Yeah. But my, my coach, he had more for me. He's like, okay, good job. That was just the beginning. I'm like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, I need you now to go do public speaking. I'm like, oh no, that's, that's on another level, Kier. <laughs> that is too much. And he's like, no, no, no. You have to because you're just so in here that people need to know about your talent and the things that you have to say. And I've seen the young people, when the interns come in or these designers take a tour of the office, how you come alive, more importantly, how they come alive, you need to do this. And I know you know people. And at this point in your career, I'm sure people would be happy to have you speak. And so I volunteer for a speaking thing. It was horrible. It literally is horrible. Like my notes got messed up. I was shaking. My voice was trembling. And you know, they stacked me between heavyweights before and after me. So I just felt like the ultimate imposter. Oh my gosh. And everything that could go wrong with my slides and everything. The font was incorrect. Oh my gosh. It went (laughs) really bad. And I know a person who went there and filmed it. And I said, please destroy that tape. If you're a fan of us and what we do, (laughs) never let that tape surface ever again. So if you're listening to this, I hope it's destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> you can, like exactly. strap a um, non-disclosure. What what is it? The when you're not allowed to talk about something. Anyway, NDA or yeah, non-disclosure yeah. agreement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, classic. 
So that's super interesting because I think, um, I, I mean, like we've been really talking about confidence um, on the podcast mm-hmm. for the cu- past couple of weeks. Um, and it obviously like you've had a lot of successes creatively, but I'd love to know in terms of creative con- confidence and the confidence to put your ideas out there and really sell them, um, is that something you kind of had to build up uh, or is it something you were born with? And if so, like tell us a little bit of the story behind that. Yeah, I don't think my story is entirely unique on this, but mm-hmm. I did find my creative confidence pretty early on. Okay. When I was working on my portfolio to get into Art Center, I went to San Diego City College and I started to realize something that my middle effort was better than most people's best effort. And I was like, <laughs> I wonder why oh, that is. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I would wait until Saturday or Sunday night, the day before something was due. And start jamming on it and go to Kinko's and start printing things out and cutting things apart and just putting things together last minute. And then I would go in thinking, oh, I don't know if this is very good. And then I see what everybody else is doing. And then the your instructor heaps praise on you. And like, huh, this is a little <laughs> easier than I thought. And not yeah. to say that I'm the Jordan of graphic design, but that's how Jordan <laughs> must feel. Like He's like, dude, I just move past people and they feel like they're standing still. And you throw it in the bucket and it lands. And you're like, wow, <laughs> I scored. And I started to feel like that. So after a little while, I get into Art Center and I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to get knocked down. This is it. This is like where all the top dogs go. And there's just amazing world kind of level designers, global. I go there and I start to learn and it is a competition and I'm pushing myself, but I'm starting to build my identity around this one thing that I'm pretty good at. Better Mm -hmm. than most, not as good as some. And Mm -hmm. this gives me that kind of foundation, that rock to build my whole identity. Because prior to this, I had no idea who I was, what I was good at, if I was just like below average on everything. But this was something I could hold on to. And I started to define myself as a graphic designer. Yeah, that's super interesting because I think what you just said there, um, and that's something I identify with a lot, is you're better than most and not as good as some. Um, And I love that you found the power in that. That's like kind of a... That's an interesting place to be in life. Yeah, and I stole that line too, by the way, from Mr. KFI and AM Radio (laughs) Talk. (laughs) But it's like, he has a hilarious opening. But yes, I stole that. Yeah. I think there's like, so everybody's talking about, um, like, I mean, including myself. I just throw myself into that bucket (laughs) as well. People Um, are saying. People are saying, Brittany's saying, um, (laughs) talking a lot about, you like, creative people and you work as a creative and you're creative and you create a great. But I would love to know, someone asked me this actually mm-hmm. over Instagram. They were like, what does it mean when you say create? Like, mm. I don't know if I'm a creative person. What does that yeah. actually mean? Mm. I'd love to know what your answer would be to that. What does it mean to be a creative person in general? Okay. First of all, hopefully this doesn't polarize everybody that's listening, but I believe- <laughs> Polarize away. Yeah, here Chris. we go. Here we go. First episode, let's just kill it. Let's just destroy the podcasts, right? <laughs> Here, here's the thought. I think everybody, every human being is creative. Mm, we have varying degrees <laughs> yeah. of creativity. Some of us run away from it. Some of us run towards it. So we're mm. still using the same word. But creativity to me is the ability to create a new or novel solution to a problem. Usually, it's combining two or more disparate things and finding an elegant connection between those two things. Ooh. So creativity. <laughs> Can we quote just, you on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> creativity could just be I need to find a name for a book. And you think of something really interesting and you call it that thing and it changes the meaning of that book in in profound positive ways or even negative ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, creativity could be 
how propaganda um, organizations pick an icon from the past and repurpose it and say, look, we're going to use this icon now. That could be creativity. Now that's used for bad motives, but that's creativity. I had a, I had the exact same answer actually, Chris. So <laughs> I bet you did. So funny that I had the same answer. <laughs> no, I, I I said the same. I think it's like the the um, the ability to kind of yeah come up with new ideas. I think that's the one thing. And the thing that I was talking about when um, I spoke to this person, and I was saying that creative people don't have trouble coming up with new ideas. They have trouble actually, you know. Uh, picking a direction and making and focusing on 100%, something. hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> so I think that that is definitely... Uh, it's yeah. just which idea to go with. Exactly. How do you do that? How do you prioritize ideas? How do you kind of bounce them off people? New. Okay, so I'll just make a note here. How do you come up with ideas? You know, there's a lot of people who are professionals who have been doing this for a very long time, veterans of the industry that are are held to, in very high regard. And they all yeah. have a very similar response, which is if you really understand the problem, the creative part is not so much inspiration. It's just logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Massimo Vignelli would talk about this and his protege, Michael Beirut, would say the same thing. I remember one time I was leading my sequential design students from Art Center to take a tour at, not Imagining Forces, um, at Prologue. And they sat down with Kyle Cooper, who is a legendary, living legend in main title design. Really kind mm-hmm. of helped to usher in the, the next wave of main title designers, okay? And mm-hmm. they sat around and they're like asking questions. And eventually one kid asked that question, like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> and he said, look, where do your ideas come from? And I was like rolling eyes in my back, back of my head. I'm like, what, are you, what kind of dumb question is that? And Kyle <laughs> paused for a minute. And, he, and he, then he said something that was really thoughtful. He said, you know, most designers, they come to a problem and they feel like they want to do Iron Man or they want to do Gattaca. And it doesn't really matter what the problem is. They're going to force that idea onto something. Like, I'm going to do Iron yeah. Man for a romantic comedy. And it yeah. doesn't even yeah. make sense. Mm-hmm. So he's like, when you, when you read the script, when you understand the story, it speaks to you. And then you do what yeah. it says for you to do. And I answer these kinds of questions all the time. Like, what if, I, what if I'm stuck? I'm, I've run out of ideas. I said, you've not run out of ideas. It's a symptom that you don't understand the problem at all. Because when you understand the problem, it eliminates a thousand solutions. And it tells you this is where it needs to be. And you just do that. Paula Cher <laughs> had an incredible story on Abstract where she designs the H-Line logo. And she's mm-hmm. like, it's a railroad. Here's the H. In the same proportion, done. Yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, you know, and and then you look at it, and here's the reaction usually that you get from people if you've done your job right. Instead of saying, wow, amazing, totally out of the left field, they usually say, of course, I wish I came up with that. It's obvious. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah, great. So I think think a lot of creative people get this part wrong. They're like, oh, I got to just pull something out of the ether and do this weird tangential thing. And sometimes that works. That's a valid uh, approach too. But more often than not, it's you're doing weird to be weird. You're doing different to be different. And you're really not solving anybody's problem. And then when you get pushed back. I'm I'm so so glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cheers for that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. so, Chris, I yes. mean, as you know, I recently went freelance. It's the Britney I know. Show. I didn't know. Like, you didn't even slip me a note under the door or anything. I know. I was, was sorry. I know. It was such a two-faced it was person. 
It was a tough. <laughs> uh, we call her a consummate professional. Yeah, oh, that's exactly. the word. I'm sorry. That's what, we, that's what we call me, actually. Yeah, that was a really tough one. Uh, I mean, it's been really tough for a long time. Just, I mean, that's a, a strange position. You know what I mean? To be in when you're like, I'm no, leaving, tell me more. but it's not really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can cut this out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's you leave have her in. Powers, right? her in. Um, yeah. But what? But also, Penny recently. Well, not as recent, but a Months little ago. bit. Yeah, I'm. I'm already neck deep. You're deep into the freelancing mm-hmm. life. I see. So I do have a couple of sort of selfish questions Let's from more of a freelance perspective. So um, I think that I'd love to know, um, that, like, so I came out, I came out as a freelancer and I was like, okay, now I'm freelancing. And then I, of course, had that problem of figuring out like what I should offer, right? Mm-hmm. Like what should be my offer? What exactly do I want to do? And wh- I was wondering what you think is the best way to kind of figure out not only like what you're good at and what's valuable, but what you can actually kind of get make money with and actually make a career out of. Do you oh, have sort of how much time do we have on this one? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Okay. You can you can, you know, answer parts of it if you want. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and answer as much of it and, and you can push me and say, look, that's not enough. Give me more. And I and okay. I'll do it. Okay. So sounds good. All right. There's a couple of things here. And I'm gonna give you just broad general advice to hit many of the people who are listening. And it may be a conflict with the exact situation you're in. Most of the time when people leave, it's they have relationships still that were born from the previous employer. Unless you have a non-compete thing or you feel like really gross about it. But generally speaking, the people who see you, see, this is what my coach was warning me about. See, when I think of your previous employer, I think of your face a lot Mm, because you're everywhere. Right mm-hmm. on the social, you're on the channel, you're producing a lot of content. So sometimes people want to capture that same magic, but they want you to do it for them. The, right. That's like the most typical place where you would start to kind of build relationships. Now, if you think there's no conflict because they're not going to go to your previous employer for that, then I'll just reach out and say, and you can do it in a very professional, ethical way. You can just call up people and say, hey, just want to let you know, I'm on my own. This is what I do. And if you need help with that, I can help you. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the first. That's what we would consider low-hanging fruit, just to build on the reputation that you have and the relationships that are already formed. That's where I would start. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, the difficult question is, what should I do? Who should I do it for? And how should I begin that process? So now I have mm-hmm. to ask you a bunch of questions, okay? <laughs> Uh-oh. It's yeah. turning into a coaching session. Yeah, almost, oh, almost. Let's see what <laughs> okay. I have to ask you a couple of questions like, okay. what do you enjoy doing? What do you think you have a gift at doing that comes easy to you, like where you're better than most, but not as good as some. Mm -hmm. And can you see yourself doing this for the next five to 10 years? This is a really important question to answer because Mm. a lot of creative people dabble. They try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that. You're at the buffet and you you know, it's not a really satisfying meal. It's better to say, I'm vegan. This is what I want. Or I want Kobe steak and that's what I want. And you stay Mm -hmm. there for quite some time because every time you you switch industries or you 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 move into different skill sets, you kind of start at the bottom again. And that's yeah, really that's tough. Yeah. So yeah. do you know what you really enjoy doing that you're better at most? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is um, definitely… So I'm very good with um, people in general. Can Hold I? Yes. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. I go feel ahead. like I need to tell Chris what you're doing. <laughs> So Brittany's amazing at coming up with an idea for a piece of content and then taking it to whole new levels 
and also providing heaps of value to the audience and also being really educational. You're really good at breaking down like complex concepts. I think I am good at teaching, definitely. Nice nuggets. Yeah, I think I'm good at take. I, I always say, which is maybe a bit, um, people sometimes get a little bit, could get offended. I don't know if they actually do, but I just worry that they do. When I say I can take something that's maybe a bit dry, not very exciting. You used the B word, Brittany. I said boring. She okay? said boring. <laughs> <laughs> I said I can take material that is a little bit boring or dull and make it kind of engaging and more exciting for people. So I think that in terms of like teaching and that kind of thing, it's definitely uh, one of my my, my strengths mm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you a social butterfly? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. I'm just a dumb, easy question. I'm just saying. And you're relatively young. You speak the language of social media, right? And that's really Correct. kind of important. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's d- she I speak speaks the language. It for me. She translates for me. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you do. And you have a background in stand-up comedy too. So there's something mm-hmm. there. You know how to think on your that's feet. Right. And you're charismatic. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow, Chris. Like, can you do me next? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, my turn, my turn. You know? So it's going to be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to point out something though. You notice how when I first asked that question, Brittany was like, ugh. And then Penny mm. had to go in and save her right away. And this yeah. is because we've been trained by our parents, by our society and our culture, not to really think about ourselves in super positive ways. And it's really… Yeah. Something that I try to help creative people with because they struggle with this. When the imposter syndrome is heavy, you think to yourself, why is it so heavy? Because in our culture and our society, humility, that being humble, not talking about yourself, not being too big for your britches or too too big for your boots, that kind of idea is kind of embedded within our culture. And Mm -hmm. I think it does a lot of harm. Mm. We don't get very introspective. We don't think about what we're good at far enough, you know, and the minute we start to go there, somebody will chop us down. Yeah. And it's kind of tough. Then we say like, why is this kind of um, epidemic of people in the creative industry who are insecure, who undervalue their work and are just struggling to make it in life? Well, Mm. it kind of begins here. So I would encourage everybody that's listening to start to write down at least on a semi-regular basis, like what they're good at. Yes. Just like write down and just read it to yourself from time to time. Like, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at oh that. Oh my gosh. So uh, <laughs> Seth Godin recently, I mean, you're a big fan of Seth, I think too, I right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that man. You can hate Seth. He's so great. Seth, he's <laughs> it's great. hard to hate him. He's so hard to hate him. He's adorable. But he posted this thing that um, I think is really relevant here. He basically said, you should write two lists. Um, oh, yes, yes, I read that. that? And it was oh, super good. I loved it. It was like basically one list is all the things. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure this is what it said. Um, all the things that you're you're really good at, the things that you, you know, been praised for, blah, blah, blah. And then the other list is the the things that you're self-conscious about, that you're not very good at, whatever. Mm. And you can ch- you keep one list in a drawer and keep one list like hanging on your, you know, yeah, like mirror. Into your wall. Yeah. yeah. And you can choose which list it should be. Oh, yeah. love Seth. Yeah. It's so very I'm good. You you got that story mostly right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I messed it up somewhere. Yes. It was just a list of what you're grateful for. Oh. And the other list was like what you want to blame people for, like your circumstance, all the negativity. And you get to read one of the two. And you know, you know what I love about it is that so it, it's forcing you to make a decision in a very binary way. Now, most of the times yeah. when we say like you're being very binary, like there's there's more to like when it comes to gender or, or religions, it, it, there's more to life than that. 
But in this case, in terms of like how you think and process information, I think it's extremely helpful to be binary, to yes. know that yes. I'm grateful for this, and this is what I hate about the world, and this is who I want to blame. And you get yeah. to make a choice. Do you want to live a life of gratitude or one of blame and resentment? And it's, it becomes very self-evident. Yeah. And the yeah. person who puts up on their mirror, these are all the things I want to blame about people. Well, that's what you look for in life, and that's what becomes your reality. Okay. For sure. And I think also like thinking about what is going to help you and what isn't going to help you. Like I think about all the stuff that I could dwell on in my life that yeah. isn't going to help me and push me forward. Yes. And I just put it in a drawer and shut the drawer and don't, yeah. don't open it again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy. That's great. And so for um, me, I have a very oh. active filter going on in my brain all the time mm -hmm. where negative information and there's negative information everywhere on the internet, in real life, your coworkers, your peers, your parents, they don't mean to say, I mean, some of them do intend to do this on purpose, but most of them aren't even trying to hurt you. They're trying to help you and they're trying mm -hmm. to minimize your pain and suffering. But they tell you, don't do that. That's not going to work out. Why don't you stick to this? And they go against your instincts. And so doors close in your mind. Well, mm -hmm. I have this active filter that as soon as a negative thoughts, a thought starts to penetrate my brain, it gets encapsulated around a bubble and I transform, I redirect that energy to something else. That's mm. why it's very difficult for me when you ask me questions about when did you suck? When did you struggle? What are you embarrassed about? Because I've already <laughs> oh, recoded so those experiences in my mind. Mm. Now you've unraveled yeah. 10 years of therapy, but that's okay. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. You can just send us, Phil. Send us send an us invoice. Okay, 10 years. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's oh, a lot. This podcast really takes off. Do you have a payment plan? Do you have a payment plan? Yeah. Okay, well, then let's change the subject. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm we we so need to stay on the subject. We got to stay on the subject because I didn't really answer the question here. Oh, sure. The question oh, yeah. is, what are you good at? So if I were to spend time with Brittany and said, look, let's just sit down, you and me. Let's get real, real. And I'm not going to judge you. And I just want to let that part out. So if I say, you know, you're, well, your background's in stand-up comedy, you have to think on your feet. Not a lot of people can do that. So you need to find yourself in a position where that's an advantage. Maybe test-taking is yeah. not an advantage, like a, a position that's advantageous to you. Public speaking, working with groups, doing mm, live yeah. streaming, you know you have to think fast. And where yeah. you can use your wit, your intelligence to kind of change the energy. And you have a fun, charismatic vibe that you just throw out into the world because I just see you being happy all the time and you really <laughs> connect to that. Act. Well, that yeah. act is working out pretty good for yeah. you. Okay? <laughs> and I think you have an ability to, because probably maybe of your of who you are and your your development as a stand-up comedian is you can take lots of disparate information, boil it down and repur repurpose it to be something that's digestible for your audience. And that's yeah. a valuable skill. So being mm -hmm. some kind of host, teacher, lecturer, kind of on the stage, bringing people together, facilitator, those are your skills. Yeah. Brittany hour. and I are giving each other a high two as we speak. It's like a high five, but more casual. Just two <laughs> fingers. It's two fingers to two fingers. Do they, I'm sure that was her team. High yes. two. Less high aggressive. Two. <laughs> that was it's amazing. It's a peace sign and you slap each other. Exactly. <laughs> Just right Beautiful. in the face. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to know, Chris, uh, you work in branding. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on personal branding. I think personal I branding. I mean, yes. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Shush, Brittany. Don't interrupt. No, you're someone. right. I should, just let, I should just let you talk. No, no, finish. Finish. What, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, like, I think that you 
um, will have some really valuable insights for people because you've built up a pretty substantial personal brand yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious, I'm also curious like your thoughts around it, but also like how you feel like it's impacted, you know, maybe your career mm. in some ways. Oh, okay. I think this is a rather loaded question, Penny. Sorry, it just answer a lot Penny's of first. Yeah, it it really is, right? So <laughs> let, let's get into it. Well, we want to make sure we understand what branding is and then mm-hmm. we're going to add the word personal in front of it. So I, okay. I like to play these games where we break words down so that we all have the same, at least we can agree to disagree, but at least we have a definition to work with. And I love Marty Neumeyer's definition of branding the most. It's the clearest. Branding is mm. a person's gut feeling about a person or or an organization, right? And it's mm. it's a mm-hmm. feeling. That's really all it is. And the totality of, of the company or the organization creates this feeling in people. So you can't control that. You can influence it, but you can't control it. For example... If you appear to be dishonest and you do things that are unethical and you're inconsistent, it doesn't mm. matter how often you use the color blue and use trustworthy typefaces and say, like, you can depend on us because our feeling is that's not been my experience. And this has been maybe compounded or magnified because of social media. Whenever we go to look to buy something, we don't really care what the manufacturer says about it anymore. We go to Amazon reviews, we go to YouTube, we go and ask people that we trust. What do you think of this? So managing feelings, a person's gut feeling, that's a difficult thing. And that's really what branding is. Too many people yeah. associate branding with colors, typeface, like, um, yes, packaging. Exactly. So they, yeah. they got that all wrong. Okay. Yeah. Now when we say personal branding, I guess in a way, already everybody has a personal brand because everybody already has a feeling about you, at least in your circle. Mm-hmm. So we already mm-hmm. know that. So if you don't like what people feel about you, don't try to change them. Change yourself. So if you make mm-hmm. a lot of promises that you can't keep, make fewer commitments and follow through on all of them. That'll change the energy. And oh, if, love that. if you're yes. an introvert, like, like I am, you work on it so that you can change that. And yeah. the funny thing is, I took an online test, not nearly mm-hmm. as thorough as the one I took with this professional. We all love a but good online personality it started. test. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Don't we? It, it, yeah. it moved me away from the invert, uh, introvert to an extrovert. I'm like, what the heck happened here? Maybe oh, I'm just wow. an ambivert where I mm. move between the two. And I'm learning yeah. to actually draw energy from people. So here's the craziest thing. Now when I do public speaking, when I do workshops, I can't sleep for hours afterwards. Mm. I'm hyped. Buzz. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's totally so cool. That. Yeah. yeah, so I, I switch between those modes now. Okay. Yeah. So what was the question again? Personal brand. <laughs> yeah, what's your, yeah. 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 How do you feel? And also, I'm interested to know, like, when, uh, you obviously own companies, right? Like, when I you do. hire people, are you thinking, wow, this person has a really strong sense of personal brand? Is that a deciding factor for you? Like, what, what does that mean for you? Mm. Actually, it doesn't come into play at all. Okay, I don't think. Really interesting. Yeah. So Same. here's here's the order in which I use to hire people. One, is their work any good? If their work is good, they're considered for the next phase. If the work's not good, we're not talking to you. Mm-hmm. So the work, unlike what most people think, it doesn't get you hired. It gets you considered. Mm, yeah. And then when we meet the person, what we have to do is we have to get that person to be interviewed by the people who we feel are the best representation of our company culture. So Mm -hmm. for example, if I wanted to have a fun, optimistic, anything can be done company, I would put Brittany to hire 
those people. So I would have her <laughs> yeah. interview those people because Brittany's either yeah. going to connect with them or not. And mm. I'll give you a classic example. So years ago, we were looking to hire a producer. And we had a whole bunch of people apply. And then I put my culture team together. I said, you three represent the culture of this company. You can conduct this interview in any which way you want. Okay? So I had another person who interviewed the person purely based on qualifications. She literally went through their resume and sliced and diced and made sure that they were who they said they were. Mm -hmm. No surprise, the, the culture team recommended somebody different than the person who analyzed them for their resume. Yeah. And I had a tough decision to make. Who do I trust? This person who's very ultra responsible to my company, who I trust with money, or do I trust the culture team? I made a mm-hmm. call. I trusted the culture team. They picked wow. the right person. They really did pick the right cool. person. And that person blossomed. Technically, they were less qualified than some of the other candidates. But this is where your personality, your problem-solving skills, your people yeah. skills really your come passion. into play. And the passion, I think, as well. Like, yeah, I, I've been in a similar… Si- okay, sorry. I nearly said I've been in a similar situation to you. I've never been in any situation <laughs> close to you. But I've been in this situation where it's like, should we hire the person with the perfect resume or should we mm-hmm. hire the person who has such a great personality, has such a passion for our product or service? Um, and, you know, like, they're really culturally just the perfect fit. And, of course, you take the… The second one, the latter, yeah. um, because it's just so much more exciting to work with someone who really wants to be there. Yeah, think- you you can teach people the the skills that they need to learn, exactly. But you can't really teach them drive, integrity, uh, charisma, yeah. whatever it is that you need. You you can't really teach that, or you can, but it's an incredible heavy investment you're going to make. So I, yeah. I would rather get somebody who. Okay, you've demonstrated some level of proficiency in what it is that you do, so you're good enough. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. I just need to see who you are as a human being. You could say that's part of your personal brand. But to me, when we talk about branding, it's how people feel about you from a thousand feet away. It's not like up close yeah. and personal. So yeah. let's talk about personal branding then. Because some people <laughs> have a very strong personal brand. People yeah. like Jessica Walsh, Aaron Draplin, just to name a few. You know who they are before you even meet them. Because they've done a really good job of telling you who they are. So if you want to develop your personal brand, what you have to do is start to think like, well, who am I? And I actually have a personal branding workshop that I do. And I ask Mm -hmm. some some simple questions. Where you come from and where you live say say a lot about you. Mm. It really does. So Brittany, you're Canadian, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you live in Berlin. Berlin, yeah. So we can make assumptions about you already. And people are going to. And… To a large degree, they tend to be mostly accurate, you know? Like yeah. what we think of Canadians as being friendly, as being polite, as being thoughtful people. I would describe <laughs> you as that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Brittany's a pretty quintessential Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Although I did is, come right? over the other night and she had no maple syrup. I was really offended. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, a, that was a faux pas as a yeah. Canadian. She doesn't yeah. say A enough, but other than that, she's Canadian. Yeah. But then yeah. she chose she chose to live in Berlin, which I understand is like the anomaly in Germany. It's like where people are most progressive and 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 into art and culture, and it's not like the rest of Germany. And so that says mm-hmm. something about her too, right? Mm-hmm. So those are just two easy prompts to look at that. And what I would encourage everybody to do, because this is almost like a master class in personal branding, is to watch Aaron Draplin's talk, his TED talk. I think he was in Minneapolis or something. He goes on stage 
He goes, all right, all right. So my name is Aaron James Draplin. I'm 38 years old. I'm a big man trying to make it in the little leagues. And, and he goes on and on. He talks about this thing. In his first four sentences, he tells you everything you need to know. Things that most people oh, cool. don't reveal about themselves. He tells you yeah. his middle name, which is perfect <laughs> because it's like, wow, okay. It's going to be that person, <laughs> right? And then he goes in yeah. and he tells you he, he, his age, which people are very self-conscious of. And he tells you he's a big guy trying to make it in the little leagues. So he's playing around with words there because he is a big, large man, like triple XL yeah. kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's a special night. I got, I watched the 501s for this. <laughs> so he's, he's just dripping with personality. Yeah. And I think this is where we struggle. We think, well, what we do isn't that unique. What we have to say isn't that special. So we yeah. try to be like the people we admire. So you become somebody else that's not true to who you are. This is where people mm-hmm. say you're not being genuine and you're being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So my, my, my tactical step or advice to everybody is really sit down and think about who you are, where you come from, what your beliefs are, and make that part of your communication externally so people know this for, about you a thousand feet away. Mm, yeah. Love that. I like that too. I think um, uh, I really wanted to ask about uh, company culture because you hit on that and then I was like, oh, that's like a little, you know, it's fiery such a fascinating topic. area. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, you obviously, I mean, it sounds to me like company culture is very important to the future. And so I'm wondering, how do you, insu- like, how do you ensure that you have, you know, a, I'm putting air quotes, good company culture mm. in, a, in, in your company? And like, how do you actually make that happen? Like, I think it's something that so many people are looking to work at a company that has really great company culture. So many people are looking to design a company culture. I'm just curious how you've gone about that because it sounds like you you know, it's important to you. Yes. I, I think I want to warn everybody that has a company or is going to start a company about what happens when you don't manage your company culture. And yes, please here, do. Please here's, do. <laughs> here's the personal story. I had been running my company now for over a decade. And what I did initially and up until this point was I hired people based mostly on talent. Like, you're so good. I mean, the things that you do are incredible. But these people were very difficult to work with. They had their own schisms and they they liked to add drama to situations and they got petty and they got super ultra competitive. And some mm-hmm. of them were very selfish with the resources. Like they would just grab all the team, all the staff to put onto their team and like what happened to the other people. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, I, well, the company was full of these people. And even though I owned the company, I would pull into the parking lot and dread going upstairs to the office. My own company. I just didn't want to show up to work anymore. And I just felt at that time, like, what happened here? And I, 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 for a moment, lived in that self-pity. Like, oh my God, like, how did this happen? Doesn't life suck? It sucks to be a boss. (laughs) Now, luckily, I had my, my guide, my mentor, my coach at that time. And he said, look, we need to figure out how to design your company and your company culture. I look at you and what you stand for and your beliefs, and I see a lot of disconnect here. Mm. So what we need to do is we need to kind of sit down and write what our core values should be. And I I tried. I sat there for multiple weekends. I kind of write. It's like that kind of because I don't have the introspective lens. 
I don't know what I stand for. And it was really difficult. So I'm going to give you a hot tip. Just copy someone else's core values. <laughs> I right? love that. Right? That's what I'm going to do. So I was reading this book. I was reading this book. And it's all about core values, right? I was reading this book called Delivering Happiness from Tony Shea, founder of Zappos. And I was reading through and he's telling the story about how culture almost destroyed his company. And now he had very similar situation except for add a couple of zeros to his company and a couple of zeros to the number of employees he was managing. I was yeah. like, shoot. So he's a Harvard-educated entrepreneur. Mm. And he said, here's our core values. And we actually get everybody to read it. We live it. And this is how we live. And he gave lots of really practical examples of how he could do this. And what blew me away was the margins in selling shoes was very small. So they couldn't live their core values in the extravagant ways that Silicon Valley companies do with yeah. slides and daycare and personal <laughs> chefs and massages and all that kind of stuff. Because you could spend your way into values, but he had to do it in a really creative way. For example, he would change the entry and the exit points of the com company, the building, so that there's only one entry and one exit. So that people would actually have to accidentally bump into each other and say hello and like, who are you? And that kind of thing. So just mm, changing flow. Great. Another thing he yeah. would do is he had their IT department ask a trivia question as a screensaver. So everybody, oh, before you could log into your computer, you'd have to answer. <laughs> right? I love that. And after a couple of guesses, it would let you in regardless if you knew it or not. <laughs> Thank yes. God. I'm terrible at right? trivia. <laughs> it, it's, but it's kind of fun to like, who, who won this championship in, in badminton? Mm. And then they have to like, oh, I don't know. Maybe that's Bob. And it's like multiple choice and you answer the question. It's like, nope. And it kind of makes you become more curious about the people you work with. So that's all I really did cool. was that's literally genius. steal their 10 core values and modify one or two that didn't relate to us because we don't have customers like the way they have customers. Mm -hmm. And that became the foundation because it's like, it's that's how I feel. I just couldn't articulate it. And I'm sure I could have spent money making it, but I just stole it. Yeah. yeah, And then we adapted it. And it continues to be like how we define ourselves. Now, I'm surrounded by people who have the optimism, the ability to embrace and drive change. They're, they're going to also to seek fun and a little weirdness. And we want that as part of our company because here's what I know. To remain viable in this kind of creative economy that we live in, you have to be innovative. And innovative means a lot of waste. And, and it's messy to be innovative. Well, that yeah. scares a lot of people. People who want mm -hmm. constant and want predictability are afraid of innovation. So I need to surround myself with people who are okay in the discomfort, who actually re yes. uh, rejoice exactly. in it, right? Mm. Because when I shift gears, and we shift gears a lot, they're like, okay, we were doing that yesterday. Chris has laid out a new plan. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> that's the reaction I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, a problem with a lot of uh, companies like yours is people are, if there's no values, then anytime something shifts, everybody's no lost. Yeah. yeah. They're like, but wait a second. I thought I was working towards this. Now I'm working towards And I don't understand why we changed. And I think that that's, it's, I think that values are very under, um, under undervalued. Undervalued. <laughs> there you go. I, I remember <laughs> values that I had from companies that I've worked in at the, in the past. Like General Assembly used to have, um, one of their values was 
use every part of the buffalo, which is like be resourceful, be scrappy, don't be wasteful, like use everything. And then a company I worked for before that, which was an advertising agency, one of the values was good lovin', which is like so cheesy, but (laughs) because it was like up on the wall and an established thing that people thought about, we really like, people were like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing over there that someone's like tidying up the sandwiches after a client meeting. I'll go in and help them because yeah. good loving is important to our bosses. We know what's important to our bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, and we're it not becomes that a way of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. I mean, like, okay. So I'm pretty new to your world, Chris, but uh, Brittany has told me, <laughs> <laughs> Brittany has told me that you're, um, you seem like a really good boss. Um, and so my question was, uh, because I, I mean, like, a lot of bosses get interviewed on podcasts and interviewed in magazines. Um, what makes you feel, do you have some sort of measurement for knowing that you're doing a good job as a boss? That's a really good question. So I have to deconstruct this in a couple of different ways. Okay. I think good, <laughs> we always have these like multi-layered questions. <laughs> yes. I think good is subjective and good mm-hmm. is contextual. So I'm a good boss for the people who like to do what it is that we like to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a really bad boss for all the people who, when we go through these kind of cultural shifts, are no longer with the company, mm. right? So mm-hmm. I want to be sure I communicate this as clearly as possible externally from a thousand feet away and up into the point in which somebody gets interviewed for the company. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to communicate that. So here's a couple of things that I like. I like people who are self-starters, who enjoy autonomy, who don't need a lot of direction are really driven to do certain things and self-learners and are curious. I like people who love to teach, who want and, and derive joy from helping others. So mm. that's our culture, right? So if you don't like those things, I'm a bad boss because there <laughs> yeah. are people who come to our office and they intern for us. I'm like, ooh, this is not a good fit. We got to get rid of this person because they're like, okay, so what's step four and step five? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and I and there's a there's a little rule that I, I use with my son. He's 13 years old now. I I Aww. say, don't ask me a question if you can answer it through Google. You're being yeah. lazy. You're using me as Google, <laughs> and I'm not as. Smart I actually as gave Brittany this advice today. She uh, had a guy. First of all, he lowballed her on a price, yes. like for her services, like, dra- like drastic, drastic, like uh, offensively low. Offensive. And then <laughs> when she politely declined and told him it wasn't the right fit. He asked for advice and I was like, just send him to Google because like this is a f- like you can't just give away free advice to someone who doesn't respect your time or effort. Exactly. That was the feeling. Yeah. Sorry. The, yeah, uh, there's a balance he, on that, right? We'll circle back mm. to Let me just make a note here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love note that, that you're making notes. Note that down. Free advice. Okay. Yeah, oh, so, free advice. Yes, let's talk about that. It, yeah. <laughs> well, but but to be <laughs> wait, what did you what was your question about being a good boss or How do you know if you're a good boss? Like, are your metrics like retention or are they employee satisfaction or are they glass door reviews? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Very easy. Very, very Mm -hmm. easy to be a good boss. All you need to be is a servant leader. (laughs) You need to be a servant leader. You need to think about how you would feel if you were working for you. Mm. Yeah. Simon Sinek uh, does a lot of talks on this. Good Good leaders eat last. It's the same idea to be a servant leader. Meaning… I am the emperor, but I'm benevolent. I want to make sure you guys are living in comfortable homes, you have good food to eat, and that your creative soul is replenished and I don't overwork you. 
So mm, we started thinking yeah. about changing our culture many years ago. And we used to work horrendous hours. I'm not going to lie. It was crazy. Literally, I, the, the joke around the office would be, I don't know you until you and I have seen the sunrise together because we've been in this office for 24 hours. <laughs> right? We've broken some kind of threshold. And then we started to change things. We said, no more weekend work. Seven, eight o'clock hit, we're all going home. Period. Just drop what you're doing and go home. So that means mm, that we yeah. had to change the kinds of clients and the projects we would take. And it hurt mm. us financially. Almost all decisions that require courage, there's a negative downside. The negative downside is we saw some of our competitors do twice as much in buildings. They got those sexier yeah. jobs. They're willing to do anything for any project at any point in time. And we just declined. It drove my salespeople mad. Mm. <laughs> Ultimately, I'm to a the point person which, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> there's a human cost. There's a toll on the team when you accept a project on a Friday at 2 p.m. and it's due on Monday. Yeah. There's a cost. And so the salespeople, and I don't mean to disparage all salespeople because they're not all like this, but most salespeople <laughs> only care about the win, right? They just want to make sure that there's a, a W and then the dollars are there. So they're <laughs> like, we accept, we accept, we'll do this. And then they go home. Well, what happened to the creative team? So then my my job is to be a shepherd and just make sure like everybody's taken care of. And if I feel like that's fair, I have to use my own judgment there. And it, it was mm. very helpful for me to have a business coach where sometimes being an entrepreneur is a very lonely business and you just don't know. Are you being too generous? Are you being too thrifty? What is going on? And having somebody that you trust that you can use as a sounding board to say like, am I being fair here? And like, you're being more mm. than fair. Or, you know what? You're kind of being a little myopic on this one, aren't you? I'm like, okay, yeah. tell me what I should do. Love the servant leader approach. That's I think that's really poignant. Really great. Mm. Um, okay, Chris, we only have a few minutes left. So what I want to do is a couple of quick fire. Rapid fire. Rapid oh, okay. fire questions. Now, can we, can we do something? <laughs> okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with rapid fire. Before we do that, okay. before we do that, can, yes. can I yeah. go back to the whole balancing of the free advice <gasps> yes. thing? Oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Sorry. This is why love, you're a professional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're so amateur. We're like, let's move on. And you're like, didn't you ask me a specific yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, great. Can go great. Back to that? Yes, please do. So, so yeah. there is a balance. There is most definitely a balance of when you are giving away everything and you're selling yourself short versus just mm. being all for like, well, if you can't help me today, see you later, buddy. And you have to find yeah. that. So I'm going to say, from the little that I know about you, Brittany, and less of you, Penny, <laughs> is I'm pretty sure you have a pretty good gut. Like, you know. You know yeah. when somebody's good yeah. and when somebody's just there to take all your ideas and go shop it for the lowest person, yeah. right? And I, mm -hmm. I say this because most of my good fortune have come from me being pretty good and intuitive about who I trust. And I've done a lot of free work in my life. I really have, mm -hmm. especially in the beginning. Mm. And those relationships came back and have served me years after that initial gesture of like, I get it, you're a student, I'm a student, let's help each other out. They wind up doing big things. They, they recommend me. And you have to make sure that they're good people. So here's the test. A couple of things. Does this, is this okay. person being honest and levels with you? That's really important to me. So instead of like being slimy and asking roundabout questions and trying to sneak their way in, they just go, Brittany, I have no money. I know I can't afford you. What can you do for this? I'm like, okay, you're being really yeah. honest with me. You're not trying to manipulate me. I like that. Two, are these mm -hmm. social people? That's really important to me too. 
Because if somebody is really genuine and has all this integrity, but they just are a hermit, doing good work mm-hmm. for them, helping them out, they tell Not zero people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to point. find mm-hmm. these people who are very generous with their praise, who are very honest with you about what they can and can't do, and who are also very mm-hmm. gregarious, because that's the winning formula. I don't mean to be so calculated, but if you can look at the world that way, that may help you. Or you could just do what I would recommend people do is you do have mm-hmm. some time to give to people. It, maybe you dedicate mm-hmm. 10% of your time to being generous with zero expectations to people who just need it. And just to chalk it yeah. up as a loss of time, it's totally okay. Every once in a while, mm-hmm. those people will come back, sing your praises, and be where you want to be. And they're going to mm-hmm. help you. And that's the spirit of generosity. Yeah. I'm not going to… I feel bad now because I was like, Brittany, just don't reply. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's offensive. I just don't know. Yeah, anyway. Okay, but I like this 10% model because I do… I like that too. Like Brittany and I were talking the other day about um, a time when I sort of sat down with a former colleague and it was like a a long conversation and I gave a lot of value and then I was like, what did I do that for? And then, uh, you know, it does feel like generosity sometimes, but other times you're kind of like, oh. Really yeah, and you you know the thing is, I I watch films and I watch sto- I read stories about how somebody's really down on their luck, and it's just a series of really bad circumstances. They're not bad people, and a little kindness from a stranger at one point changes their life forever, and it may never oh. never ever come back to help you. <laughs> yeah. But every once in a while, it might. But that's okay too. Like Will Smith and the Pursuit yeah, of yeah. Happiness is based on a real story. I know, right? I haven't seen that movie. Such a great movie. And Kevin Costner tells a story about a writer friend of his. Do you know about this story? It's an incredible story. No. Okay, I'll just give you a really like just a (laughs) real quick version, okay? Cool stuff. So Mm -hmm. he has a friend. He's like down out on his luck and he's like, hey man, can I stay with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, stay with me. So he lives in his guest house and he's just writing, he's doing stuff. And after a few months of living there, his wife's like, you know what? This is really annoying. We got to get rid of him. He's like, you know, you're right. And he goes and tells the guy, you know, you can't stay anywhere. You got to go on, right? And he goes on mm-hmm. and trying to help this person. He's writing. He's like, hey, will you read what I write? Will you read? And he reads his daughter all the time. And he's just really annoying him. So then he goes to Miami or wherever he's going. And, and he, he follows up with him. Like, How are you doing? He's like, you know, it's cold here. I don't know. It's, it's hard. And, and I don't know what he's working at some kind of like he's washing dishes at a Chinese restaurant or something. So Kevin sends him some mm-hmm. sleeping bags and, and clothing to kind of keep him warm. And all the time, the guy's like, hey, will you read what I'm writing? Will you read? So he's just bugging him the whole time. And this has been like years kind of this guy. And he's mm-hmm. just like, no, you're really annoying me. And I just, I don't want to do this. He goes, okay. I don't know, something in Kevin, he decides to read this manuscript that he wrote. He's going through it. And he's like, that was Dances with Wolves. Oh what? Yeah. That's an insane. Yeah. Is that a real it story? It is a real legitimate story. If you if you search <laughs> Come Kevin on. Cashin, yes. You should see Penny's face right now. <laughs> also, Chris, you should know that um was okay, so the microphone that we're trying to speak to you through is kind of elevated. Yes. So we're like we've got our faces like yes. up. Look, yeah. We're like looking up to you like oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Quite, it's quite so a comic telling this that on story. Video. Like yeah, <laughs> next time. <laughs> Definitely next time. Okay, I, I think we might not have time for the, the quick okay. fire. We don't want to take much more of your yeah, time. Yeah, I think that it's, you've, well, you've given us do. so, 
so much and we could never thank you enough, but maybe we'll send you some, like something. Well, uh, something I'm Australian. Adorable. I know you don't know me very well, but I'm Australian. And if you want, I can send you some Vegemite. Ooh. <laughs> I can, send, I can send you Tim Tams. <laughs> I can send you all the delights of Australia, which is, that's basically the only okay. two. Yeah. Tim yeah. Tams are good, though. You don't want Vegemite. Though. No, I have had people give me Vegemite and I cannot eat that thing. I don't know what you guys see it's in it. Disgusting. It is pretty nasty, I want to say. Yeah. I, you just sniff it. I've not, <laughs> oh, I've not developed the palate for that just yet, but I do appreciate no, the offer. Terrible. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, go away, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, honestly, this was so great having you on. Thank you very, 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 very much. We were literally trying to make notes silently on Brittany's laptop, like typing one key at a time. Like, <laughs> this is a nugget of pure wisdom. Yeah, like write this down. We forgot that we actually have a recording of it. Yes. We didn't actually need to make notes in yeah. real time. Yeah. Just, uh, we'll just be, a thought. We'll be professionals one day, but not, not right now. Amazing. Um, so yeah, just thank you very much. Would you like to make any summarizing comments? Oh yeah. Or also what, what, um, uh, I mean, this is what people usually do on podcasts, Penny, oh. when they have, when oh, they have people, yes. they're like, what do you want to tell people? What like, do you want to promote? Promote something? I, <laughs> What's your Twitter <laughs> handle? What's your Twitter <laughs> handle? <laughs> I, I have I don't have anything to promote. And I always feel a little disgusted when people do that. When it's like, oh, so you gave all this information and then there's a hard plug at the end. Here's all I can say to people who are listening to this. If you enjoyed this conversation, if you found value in what it is that I have to offer, come join me in this digital community, this tribe that we all kind of call creativity. And I'm I'm on every platform that you can think of. And my name is Chris Doe. And you can find me on Instagram at the Chris Doe. That's spelled D-O and everything else is spelled like a normal person. But you can find that's such a good name. Such a on nice Instagram and Twitter yeah. and YouTube. Oh Amazing. man, Chris, yeah. you nailed it. Thank as you. Usual. Smashed All it. Right. Smashed it. Completely smashed it. We hope you have a really great Halloween. This is being recorded on oh, Halloween. Yeah. Happy everybody. Halloween. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. I don't really celebrate it, but thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Well, Fair just enough. Eat a, eat a piece of candy. <laughs> just have a candy for God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> this was great fun I think you guys are doing a great job and I know you're going to be super successful in this pursuit so good Thanks, job Chris.